Hey, it's Kathy. I have something so fun to tell you about. You may know that the doors are open to my new program, The Abundance Method, but if you enroll by May 15th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific, you're going to get my signature business program also made to do this. That's a $3,000 program that you are going to get for free included if you sign up by May 15th, just before midnight Pacific time. Made to do this is a phenomenal program that has helped thousands of souls to start businesses, to be able to make a living doing something that they love. This is an incredible deal. You don't want to miss it. Go ahead and sign up at kathyheller.com slash join. How do I deal with that problem? How do I get over imposter syndrome? How do I deal with my own insecurities? I think let's begin with acceptance and awareness. If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to just go to work, I want to do my life's work, this is the show. This is the show, Don't Keep Your Day Job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? Life is too short not to wake up every day excited. You've got something that you've got to share with the world. I'm positive. That's why you're here. The show will not just give you inspiration, but some real life tools that you can start to take some real action week after week so that you can not just go to work and build someone else's dream. You can do the thing that you've always truly wanted to do. Make yourself the happiest version of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so happy that you're here. There's never been a better time to digitally preserve your old home movies, film reels, and photos. Visit LegacyBox.com today to get started. Plus, for a limited time, they're offering my listeners a huge exclusive discount. Go to LegacyBox.com slash DreamJob to get 40% off your first order. With this exclusive deal, LegacyBox starts at just $45, or you can save up to $200 on the largest LegacyBox kit. Go to LegacyBox.com slash DreamJob and save 40% today. Thanks to Slack for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Slack is a collaboration hub for work that makes sure the right people in your team are always in the loop and key information is always at their fingertips. Learn more at slack.com. Thanks to Rothy's for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Right now, Rothy's has an amazing deal for my listeners. Free shipping and free returns and exchanges on your Rothy's shoes. Go to rothys.com and enter Dream Job to get your cute shoes and free shipping. It's a no-brainer. Shoes that are comfortable, stylish, and sustainable and free shipping. That's rothys.com, promo code DREAMJOB. Get this deal while it lasts. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I am so happy you guys are here. Thank you for tuning in. Um, thank you for showing up. I cannot believe that we celebrated our 100th episode last week. And I'm so excited about who's here today. The one and only Angela Duckworth. And the reason it's so amazing is because when I first started the show recording it in my closet, I remember making a list of like, who would be sort of my dream guests. And I wrote her name down on a sheet of paper. And here she is. She's on the show. You may remember I talked about her in the first episode, in the episode we had about what they don't teach you in school, and in probably five other episodes at least. She's an expert on the very thing that I think is most critical when we're trying to achieve a goal, and that is grit. She's the author of the best-selling book, Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. She also has an amazing TED Talk with over 15 million views, so definitely go watch that after you listen to this. She's advised the White House, the World Bank, pro sports teams, and Fortune 500 CEOs. She's also a distinguished professor of psychology at the University of Pennsylvania, and she's the founder and CEO of Character Lab, which is a nonprofit that focuses on advancing the science and practice of character development. And understandably, she's a super busy person. So she only had a short window of time to talk, but I really didn't want to pass up the opportunity to speak with her. So you're going to hear the generous wisdom she had to share. And I'll also chime in a little bit throughout the episode. Before we jump into all this, I just want to say a quick thanks to one of our sponsors. 
so I used to have all these old home movies and photographs sitting in a closet, just like collecting dust. And I wanted to show my kids. My kids wanted to see, you know, what was it like when you were a kid? What was, you know, your birthday party like? And I'm like, I, I want to be able to to look at this stuff. And I used to get so frustrated, but I just didn't know how to seamlessly make that happen. So then I tried Legacy Box. It's really easy. I just send my Legacy Box with all my old home movies and pictures, and they do the rest. They professionally digitize everything on a thumb drive or a digital download, and they give you easy-to-follow instructions plus personalized updates at every step. And by the end, they send all the original recorded moments back along with perfectly preserved digital copies. I think it's really important to preserve your family films and photos. It's basically your family history, and you don't want to just let them degrade or get lost forever. Also, things like VCRs are becoming obsolete, so you want to have a way to relive those really precious moments with the next generation. There's never been a better time to digitally preserve your memories. Visit LegacyBox.com today to get started. Plus, for a limited time, they're offering my listeners an exclusive discount. Go to LegacyBox.com slash DreamJob to get 40% off your first order or save up to $200 on the largest Legacy Box kit. Go to LegacyBox.com slash DreamJob and save 40% off. Get started preserving your past. Okay, now please welcome the super incredible, super smart, super enlightening, Angela Duckworth. Hey, Angela, thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you. I really, when I started this podcast, I was like, I want to have Angela Duckworth on. I think I talked about you in the very first episode, and here you are. So let's dive into it. You wrote a book, and the whole world is talking about it. It's called Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. Let's just start where we need to start. What is grit and why does it matter? I've been studying high achievers across you know, all different fields, you know, dancers and scientists, um, CEOs, asking the question, what makes people successful no matter what it is they're trying to succeed at? And I don't think the answer is that it is only one thing. But in my research, I have found one of the common denominators to be this combination of passion and perseverance over the really long term. And I think the key to grit is that kind of sticking to it stamina that sets apart the people who are, you know, still showing up and still working on their craft and still trying to get better from those who start off with a lot of intensity and then basically fall out of the race. Yeah, exactly. How can you sort of describe what it means to really have grit and really show up? I think that when you look at people who are gritty, what you find is that they are in a way, voluntarily obsessed. You know, when I look at somebody who is a, a world-class mathematician, for example, you know, they'll tell me that, you know, it's not like they're just doing math, like, you know, between nine in the morning and five in the afternoon, it's like 501, they stop thinking about the math problem. They're actually thinking right. about it all the time. You know, you're having like a shower, you know, you go for a walk, you're like waiting for the coffee to brew. And this voluntary obsession, you know, one poet that I interviewed and studied um, MacArthur winning poet. He was then like in his mid nineties. He said, it's kind of like a dog with a rag in its teeth. And then he skipped a beat and he said, but I'm the rag. So it's, it's really like, you feel like something has you in its grips. And, um, and I guess the important thing, it is a voluntary obsession. So this idea of being a really hard worker and obsessed sounds in a way really grim, but people who are really gritty also, they would say, you know, I love what I do and I wouldn't choose a different life if, even if I had that choice. 
So I thought it was really interesting, this idea that having grit is like having a voluntary obsession. And it's something that is churning in your mind nonstop. And I know it sounds like it's bordering on being a workaholic, which might seem exhausting at first. But then she says that these ongoing thoughts and ideas are about something you love. So it's actually not draining you. And I think about that in my own life, how I'm constantly thinking of the show and you guys and ways to grow this show and ways to support you and ways I can keep serving. And it does excite me and it fuels me. It's what gets me up up out of bed at five in the morning every single day. And I was never a morning person. And this kind of goes back to how, how important it is to know what energizes you and gets you so fired up that you're not going to want to give up on whatever it is you're working on. And later, we're going to talk about how to find that work that creates that spark inside of you and builds that grittiness. But I want you to trust that you will be led to that place. Now, this next question I think is really important because so many times I hear people say things like, I want to be a painter or a yoga teacher or a baker, but I didn't go to school to learn this. I don't know if I'm even really good at it. All I know is that I like doing it, but if I'm not an expert and I'm not naturally gifted, is this even worth trying or am I just being naive? So let's hear what Angela has to say. For those three humans on the planet who didn't see your TED Talk, can you explain um, how grit is the ultimate thing that you need and it's not IQ and it's not where you're born and it's not your gender? Can you explain that? Well, a lot of my research was inspired by time in the classroom, being a teacher, trying to teach you know kids going through puberty how to do algebra problems. And, um, yeah, that's fun. It, <laughs> it was exciting. <laughs> um, and it really made it sort of this like high relief painting of of what it takes to succeed because it all played out in the course of a school year and kids who started off the school year and were obviously very talented at math and um you know things came easily to them i thought in the very beginning okay those kids are going to do great um or sometimes kids had just a lot of opportunities right so it's like oh well you know this kid they have like an older sister who like you know could obviously help them so maybe that kid Mm -hmm. will do well in that it turns out that, you know, when I look at the grades at the end of the year, you know, so much of what I could explain as like, who was the high achiever at the end of the year um, was really how consistent and sustained their effort was over time. I mean, it is a little bit like the turtle and the hare, right? Like at the beginning of the race, you think, oh, the, the hare is going to win because, you know, the hare has all these advantages. But, you know, the consistent kids uh, were the ones who ended up being reliably better. So it doesn't mean that I think that like talent doesn't matter or that there are no such things as, you know, kids with um, math ability. I mean, obviously it's true that some kids are more gifted when it comes to math or just anything that you're trying to do, right? You know, run a company, Mm -hmm. et cetera. But I think that we sometimes undervalue the importance of sustained effort, loving what you do, thinking about it after five Mm -hmm. o'clock, showing up early, taking feedback well, and all the other things that gritty people do. Yeah, this is really key because so many of our listeners struggle with rejection, feelings of imposter syndrome. So here's the big million dollar question. How do you develop grit when there's so many things that make you feel like giving up? We'll begin with wanting to develop grit. I did a study actually after I'd written the book um, and it was to ask the question, you know, how many people really want to develop grit? Maybe some people wish they were less gritty. And I think it is an open question about how gritty you want to be and how gritty you would like to be in the future as opposed to how you are now. What I found in this study of about 300 adults is that um, some people wanted to uh, stay the same. Many people wanted to be more passionate and persevering. um, And nobody actually wanted to be less passionate about what they do and less hardworking, less 
resilient and committed to finishing what they had begun. That is not to say that there are no humans on the planet who would like to be less gritty, but I do think it begins with wanting. Um, and if you ask a question of a you know psychotherapist, you know somebody who is you know dealing with addiction or you know trying to recover from you know some other psychological problem, it does begin with wanting and to saying to yourself and then maybe to others, like, I am committed to growing in this way. If you feel like you've already crossed that threshold, then I would applaud you and say, look, that was the most important step. Now what? Hmm. Um, I think the most important advice that I can give is that it depends on who you are and where in particular you feel like you're lacking. For some people, they they tell me they have a really strong work ethic. I mean, they are resilient, hardworking people, so they have no problem with perseverance, but they haven't figured out a passion. They, they would say that they are yearning, aching for a calling in life. They don't feel like yes. their work has meaning and purpose, or they feel like, it's, uh, it's become dull for them, right? They started off being really interested right. in this field, but like their day-to-day work is frankly really boring for them. So that locates where you should be paying attention and maybe trying to make some improvements. On the other hand, you could be the opposite. You're like, oh my gosh, I love this field. I feel like it's purposeful. I just feel like, like I'm, I'm not getting anywhere. Like I'm not improving or I feel pretty fragile. You know, I feel really discouraged. Um, so I think it depends on who you are at this moment and and what you specifically need to uh, work on again, you know, assuming that you're motivated to do so. Yeah. And in your book, you talk about purpose. It's, you have a whole chapter on it. Um, What do you feel like you can tell us about how to figure out what that is? I mean, so many people, one of the main questions I get is I'd love to put all of my effort into something and I have no idea where to begin to even figure out what that is. The development of a calling or a passion um, is, is, and I say that word development very slowly and intentionally, because I think a lot of people ask me, how do I discover my passion? And I say, no, 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 don't use the word discover. Discover sounds like it's under a rock somewhere and you like yeah. you need to find it. And just one day you'll find it and then you'll have it. It's much more gradual yeah. than that. It takes years for many people to develop a a calling that they would say, you know, this is what I was meant to do. Now, how do you start down that path, right? The path that will take many years. The most important thing that I could say about developing a calling is that it has to be trial and error. You have to basically experience mm. different careers or uh, roles in a, in a company. Um, and, and you can't just, you know, go home and write about it in your journal and, and expect it to all be introspection. There has to be some trial and error in the world. And it's very hard to predict what will end up sticking and that you'll enjoy more and more. And it's very hard to predict what you will for just sometimes random reasons. I met the swimmer once who decided that he would switch to sculling. And I asked Mm -hmm. him why he would do that because he was actually already a nationally ranked swimmer and he basically had to start over again. Right. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I know this sounds crazy, but I love the water. So, okay. Both swimming and sculling have to do with water. He loves sports and he loves being on a team, but he preferred actually being outside versus inside. He wanted to be out on a river instead of inside in a pool. And that was something that this young swimmer could never have predicted. Right. So he had to try sculling and then realize, oh my gosh, I want to be out on a river. So I encourage people to try to develop a calling with patience, but also with a kind of, you know, let me go and explore the world, a mindset that I think a lot of people that I see who are struggling with this are kind of cooped up inside their own heads and they don't get out and try. Yeah. 
I loved what Angela had to say about developing passion instead of thinking that you're going to discover it. Because if you go back and look at all the guests we've had on the show, there are lots of successful people who really had no idea what they wanted to do. And they just had to keep trying new things to realize, okay, maybe this aspect isn't really working, but this other aspect that I never even thought would be really getting me so fired up, maybe this is now where I'm going to pivot. It's kind of like playing that hot or cold game. You know, I, I talked about this at the workshop that we led a couple of weeks ago. And in life, it's sort of like, you know, you're walking over here and it's like, okay, warmer, you know, you go this way, oh, colder, you walk over here, like hot, hot, that's it. And I, I feel like people, they just quit too soon when it's going to be there, but it's only going to be there if we keep going and, you know, try as many keys and see which one finally unlocks that door. And, you know, I heard Tony Robbins say recently, he said, there are no straight paths in nature. And I thought that was such a great analogy. Like, that's not a natural thing. If you look at the way a river curves or anything that's not man-made, there's twists and sideways and upways and downways. There's, there's no linear straight lines. And I think that that is something we have to accept. And instead of thinking that the winding road doesn't lead to anywhere, I think we should be open to the wonder and the discovery of what might come that's beyond our wildest dreams. You know, as you guys know, I came out to LA wanting to get a record deal and I got dropped from not just one, but two record deals. And, uh, you know, anyone can be rejected by one, but to be rejected by two, that's, that's impressive, you know? And, and then I tried so many different things. As you guys know, I worked at a real estate firm. I worked at a casting office. I did some floral design. I worked in a mindfulness center, helping children. I tried so many different things and I just kept taking those keys out of the bag, trying to figure out which one would finally open the door. And then I went back into music, but I did it a little differently. I was writing music for film and TV, which I still do some of that. And then on sort of a lark, I thought, you know, maybe there is something more. I still felt thirsty. I still felt like something was missing. And I, I started a podcast just thinking that would be maybe just this like side hustle. And look how much has happened for me. Look how much purpose that's given me and look how many souls I've been able to meet and touch. So that's crazy, right? Because I didn't even know podcasting was a thing when I moved to LA. I never thought I'd be 10 years later, you know, sitting in my closet, recording myself into a microphone and, and my words would be heard around the world. I didn't know any of that. But thankfully, I just kept trying new keys and I still intend to do that. Even Angela didn't have a super clear cut path. She went to Harvard and Oxford to study neuroscience and neurobiology. And then she went into management consulting. And then she started teaching at public schools and she founded a summer school for low income kids. But ultimately, all this experience prompted her to ask a question, what is it that makes certain people successful? And then she started to research that. All right, we're going to say a quick thanks to our sponsor and we'll be right back. Thanks to Slack for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Slack is a collaboration hub for work, whatever work you do. With Slack, the right people at your team are kept in the loop and the information they need is always at their fingertips. Teamwork on Slack happens in channels, letting you organize conversations and information around projects, offices, and teams. And because everything you need to work is in one place, it's faster and easier to get things done. With Slack, your team is better connected. Find out more at slack.com. I love Slack and I pretty much use it every day with my team. Slack connects the tools and services you need in one place. And it allows you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives all in one easy-to-use app. No more searching through emails for that one follow-up or searching through multiple systems to find what you're looking for. You can drag and drop file sharing that works with all the apps you already use like Salesforce, Zendesk, and Google Drive. Plus, it works everywhere you go with mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly. You can always pick up where you left off no matter where you are. Slack, where work happens. Learn more at slack.com. That's slack.com. 
Do you feel like purpose is a correlation with grit? Like if it's not something that really makes you feel like you're serving or contributing, you're going to give it up after a while? I do think that purpose is one of the engines, you know, I think of them as twin engines, actually, you know, when you say like, where does passion come from? You know, when I sit next to you on an airplane and I turn to you, which if I do sit next to you, I will turn to you and I will say, do you love what you do? It's a great question to ask because <laughs> so you can just sweet. come and hang out with us and we'll, you know, yeah, yeah. we'll go somewhere and I'll ask you that question. And the reason I'll ask you that is because I can count the seconds. And, you know, if, if you can't really give me an affirmative response, relatively quickly, it means that you have to really think about it. And in, in, in most cases, I think that means that you don't really love what you do, but you are trying to love what you do. Right. Um, purpose, yeah. a sense of calling, a sense of meaning, a sense of what you're doing actually serves something greater than yourself is one of the twin engines of passion. But the mm -hmm. other one is interest and curiosity. Like, you know, I like psychology. So um, for me, that is one of the engines of my passion. But the other one is feeling that, you know, helping kids and and also grownups, but mostly kids like through this work has purpose. So I do think it is um, difficult, if not impossible, to be truly passionate about something without feeling a sense of, of greater yeah. than the self purpose. Yeah. I love in your TED Talk how you talk about how important optimism is and how can we cultivate that? You know, I, the fact that you found a correlation between optimism and grit is huge. And then there's people who are going to say, but I'm not. I'm, I have all these negative thoughts running through my mind. Why is that something that correlates with grit and how can we cultivate that? One of the most important discoveries in psychology happened about a half century ago. And this was the insight that people's thoughts, all of our thoughts, and we have them, you know, they're just constantly going off in our head and we're, we're kind of constantly in a internal monologue, like, oh, why did she say that? Like, oh, I don't like the salad right. dressing. I mean, some of these thoughts are pretty trivial, frankly, and some of them are yeah. more uh, influential. But what the discovery was about a half century ago is that these thoughts powerfully influence our, our behavior and our feelings. And this is why in therapy, for those people listening who've been to therapy, i I've been to therapy. I found it dramatically helpful so to me. I. You, you yeah. learn about your own thoughts and you learn to inspect those thoughts for how accurate and adaptive they are. And in many cases, we'll find that when we actually pay attention to our self-talk, these thoughts are neither accurate. We exaggerate mm. failures, we catastrophize, and they're not adaptive either, right? You know, these catastrophic thoughts can be demotivating and um, dispiriting. Mm -hmm. So I would say that if you feel like you are not an optimist and that a lot of your self-talk is pessimistic and self-defeating, that you need to recognize that um, everyone has those thoughts. So the first thing I would say to you is, you know, you are normal to have pessimistic thoughts and to feel like almost that you recognize that you're handicapping yourself and yet you can feel like, well, it's just the way you are. Um, so that's a right. normal thing to feel. But I also think it's important to know that you can change those thought patterns and by changing the thought patterns, change your behavior and your feelings. So you can learn little techniques. I mean, you can even call them hacks. Like say the next time you have this catastrophizing thought, like, oh my God, I blew that interview and now everyone's going to think I'm an idiot. And I always right. knew I couldn't do, you know, things that were, you know, beyond my comfort zone. You can learn right. a hack or a trick to say, okay, is it possible that there's another explanation for this, which is more specific to this interview, that it's not like I'm going to blow every personal interaction I have forever. 
And essentially, you learn to debate yourself. And I think use reason to get away from these irrational, self-defeating cycles of thinking. And then, of course, the behavior that we often will execute after that just confirms our thinking. You know, if you if you blow an interview yeah. and you have catastrophic thoughts about the next one and you decide not to take the next interview, then you'll just fulfill your own prophecy, which is to say, like, see, I didn't get a job. That's right. So I really liked Angela's idea of learning to debate yourself. And this is so, so helpful. It's something we talk a lot about on this show. We, we recently had an episode on how to change your subconscious mind. And you guys, I think this is a critical component, you know, learning to recognize that you're bigger than your thoughts. So you can choose which thoughts you're actually going to believe and then creating new thoughts and beliefs that can feed your subconscious that will actually serve you. You know, that's one of the reasons I've been going to therapy on and off since I was 15. And when my parents got divorced, I started to go to therapy in high school. And the thing that's awesome about it is that you go in there and you say things out loud. And as you're talking through these thoughts, you realize, wait a minute, you know, is this really serving me? This story, this narrative, is this true? Is it really true? Can I change it? Can I substitute it for something that's healthier? Am I carrying around things that really are hurting me? I think that so much of our life is the result of what our subconscious is telling us we deserve and what we believe. My teacher, Susan Kaiser Greenland, who's been a guest on the show, she's written several books on mindfulness. And she used to say to me, what if you could just watch your thoughts passing across your mind, like you're watching clouds pass across the sky, just to put a little distance between your thoughts and yourself so that you are observing the thoughts. You're not necessarily just you know, letting them in just sort of like an IV drip, you know, and taking them all at face value, but you just let them go and you just notice just having that awareness of, oh, that was a really scary thought. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's true, just noticing and that might start to help. Along these same lines, I feel like the greatest struggle people have that I hear from our audience is this lie that they tell themselves, like, I am not enough. And that has a lot to do with grit. What do you say to somebody who walks around with that thought all the time? You know, confidence is, I think, a bedrock to taking action. I know that we often think of human beings as irrational now. And, you know, a lot of psychological science is about how we sometimes make mistakes in our thinking. And I just talked about having self-talk that can be inaccurate and maladaptive. At the same time, I want to say that human beings are um, reasonable in the sense that if you don't think you can succeed at something, you don't try very hard. So very often it is a lack of confidence that holds people back. Now, the question is, like, how do I deal with that problem? How do I get over imposter syndrome? How do I deal with my own insecurities? And again, I think let's begin with acceptance and awareness right? I mean, I spent a lot of time in my 20s kind of beating myself up about, you know, fill in the blank, right? It's like, oh, I really should be a better daughter-in-law. Right. And I, you know, should be exercising more and I should be like making nicer dinners and I should be more accomplished. Oh, I mean, tell me about it. So, yeah. so how do you get out of yeah. that? Well, th- again, start with just a little bit of acceptance and awareness, right? Like, hey, I noticed that I'm having these thoughts of um, inadequacy. I'm also just going to accept that for a moment. Like it's okay to feel inadequate and I'm not going to beat myself up about beating myself up, right? Like let's not (laughs) add fuel to the fire. So I think a healthy dose of self-awareness and um, self-acceptance followed by 
a kind of practical, you know, okay, well, do I want to have these thoughts? Since I've noticed that I have them and I know a lot of people have them, like, do I want to have them and are they accurate? Um, I think that's the very first step in the very long journey towards, you know, taking yourself from a, you know, fixed mindset, pessimistic, like I'm not good enough. I'll never be able to do this. I can't change toward, you know, those people that we all meet in life who, God, they seem to have boundless optimism and energy. They seem to react to these adversities with like, oh, what can I learn from it? I mean, sometimes they can be annoying to us because they're just so positive, but really when we think about it, like we would like to be like them. And I do think it's possible to, to make that journey. Yeah. So here we're talking about how important it is to have acceptance and awareness, but I would also add that you need to have compassion for yourself. I always say you should get out a picture of your eight-year-old self and think about what you would say to that kid. If you got a picture of yourself at eight years old and you put it next to your computer, or you put it next to your piano when you're writing a song, or you put it next to your potter's wheel, would you ever turn to that child? Let's say that child was not in the photo, but was actually standing right beside you. Would you ever say to that kid, your dreams are stupid, don't be so naive? Or would you say, you know what? This is a good idea. Keep going, keep working on it. So much is possible, anything's possible, you can do this. What else would you say to your eight-year-old self? You know, I look back and one thing I wish I could tell myself is that it's all going to be okay. And even though you're feeling scared or you're feeling like you'll never really find your way home, you will. There's so many kind, incredible people who are waiting for you to have the courage to keep going and push through because you're going to affect so many people's lives and you don't have to be a straight-A student to do it. You just have to be yourself. So before we start wrapping this up, let's take a quick ad break. So why does style have to mean zero comfort? Let me tell you about the most comfortable flat you're ever worn that you can wear all day, every day. Seriously, you're never going to want to take them off. I love these shoes. And every time I wear them, people are like, they're so cute. Oh my God. And then I'm like, yeah, they're made out of recycled plastic water bottles. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. And they're super comfortable and they come in really cute colors. Rothy's is the everyday flat for life on the go. It's stylish, classic, comfortable, and comes in three fashionable styles, the flat, the point, and the loafer. They have a huge color and pattern selection. Plus they're always updating their lineup and launching new colors every few weeks. It's going to blow your mind that they're made from recycled plastic water bottles because they're the softest shoe you're going to put on your feet. You can feel stylish and feel good about wearing them. I love my Rothy's and I know you will too. Right now, Rothy's has an amazing deal for my listeners, free shipping and free returns and exchanges on your Rothy's shoe. And trust me, you won't return them. Go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com and enter dream job to get your cute shoes and free shipping. It's a no brainer, shoes that are comfortable, stylish and sustainable and free shipping. Go get yourself a pair today. Rothy's.com, promo code dream job. Get this deal while it lasts. Is there ever a time where somebody is practicing grit and it actually can be a harmful thing in the case of like you're knocking on the wrong door and you need to pivot because maybe you're not supposed to be a writer you're supposed to be a director like how do you gauge when it might be time to turn sometimes people are pursuing the wrong tactic or plan and they ought to be you know looking at other roads So for example, you know, say you apply to vet school, you know, 10 years in a row, and this is not a hypothetical example. I have a friend who's a therapist and they actually literally had a client who was just like applying to veterinary school, you know, like (laughs) year after year and constantly getting rejected. And and the question is like, well, should I, you know, should I encourage them to apply for an 11th year because that's grit? 
Um, I would make right. a different recommendation. I think you should ask the question, why do I want to go to vet school? It's probably for some higher order goal. Like I really love animals and I want to make animals lives better or, right. or something like, you know, more abstract anyway than vet school that allows you some flexibility because there's more than one way to care for animals. Maybe it should be vet school, but maybe there's another thing where you're like, oh my gosh, I could do this other thing. You know, I could have like work for the SPCA and I don't have to go to vet school for that. Like Mm -hmm. I could raise money for this organization. Exactly. Yes. That's the thing. Be gritty about the higher level goals. Be flexible about your tactics. Exactly. I love the idea of sticking to your higher goals and your why, but letting yourself explore the how. It's like when Jeff Goins came on the show and shared that quote from Jeff Bezos, We're stubborn on vision, flexible on details. And you know, that's why I tell people that there really are four different ways you can make a living doing what you love. It doesn't just have to be that you're the jewelry maker. Maybe you teach people how to make jewelry or you start a community of makers, people who just love jewelry and they want to find each other. Or you have a blog about all the different methods and art forms of making necklaces and bracelets. We don't always realize that there are other roads that can get us to where we ultimately want to be in the big picture because we only know what's been modeled for us. You know, I'd like to give you guys an assignment. Why don't you take a second and write down the thing that you love doing or even something that just interests you and make a list of three different ways you might make that into a business. And maybe you guys can share this in your meetup groups. How many of you have decided to join a local meetup group? If you guys haven't, you should. I feel like this is amazing. We already have, you know, 50 or so of these starting around the country and around the world. People are going to meet up. They're going to talk about the episode every week. We're going to send them discussion questions. And then you're going to give each other support, share your ideas and keep each other accountable to push forward and stretch beyond your comfort zone and make your dreams a reality. Maybe this is something you can share in your group and see the different ways that you might be able to turn something you love into a business. All right. Well, to close out, is there anything left that you would like to share with all these people who are probably so happy that you're here right now? You know, we have an audience of potters and painters and dancers and yoga teachers and people who want to figure out how to have a purpose. And it's not always super clear. I think that, um, you know, a podcast like this, you know, reading books, you know, and by the way, I'm not saying mine, I think just listening and reading, learning, you know, one of the major insights that really shocked me um, over the course of my career is just how plastic the mind and the brain are. And you never stop Mm. learning. I used to think when I was in college, I was a neurobiology major. And I used to think that basically you learn a lot when you're a little kid. And then you basically are on autopilot. and, And that's what we were taught. But, but neuroscience is pretty firm in showing that the brain and the mind are plastic all throughout the life course. And so mm. I love that you're, you know, having conversations like this. I love that people are out there learning and there is very good scientific reason to be hopeful about all the things that we can become. And there are really good reasons to be essentially growth mindset optimists. Where can we find you, Angela? You can visit characterlab.org where we put up free resources on grit and other strengths of character like gratitude and self-control for people who want to learn more and we don't charge anything for it because it's all philanthropically supported. Amazing. And your work, we can buy your book anywhere books are sold. Thank you so much for being here. You're awesome. Thank you for the work you do. Thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation. All right. Well, that was so much fun. I still can't believe that I got to talk to Angela Duckworth because I was watching that TED Talk and talking about her for years. Sometimes on the show, I have to like pinch myself and be like, am I really speaking to Jenna Fisher right now? Jen Sincero's on the show. That's great. All right. So here are some of the takeaways. Number one, 
High achievement is not just about having talent. It's about putting in that consistent effort. Number two, begin with wanting to build that grit. Commit yourself. Number three, it's not about discovering your passion and your purpose. It's about developing your calling. Number four, be patient and go outside and explore the world through trial and error. Number five, debate your own negativity. Don't become a victim to your own self-fulfilling prophecy. Number six, give yourself acceptance and awareness. Don't beat yourself up for beating yourself up. Number seven, be gritty about your high-level goals. Be flexible on the tactics. Number eight, never stop learning. Number nine, there's reason to be hopeful about all that we can become. And number 10, if you stick to it, you're going to do extraordinary things. All right. So as I said before, these meetup groups, really cool. I'm going to be rewarding and incentivizing those of you who are taking action and joining these groups. If you'd like to join one, there's going to be a link in the show notes. And um, I'm going to start giving shout outs to people who are in these groups because I'm, I already created a private Facebook group for the leaders of these groups. And I'll be asking them throughout the week, tell me what's going on in the group. You know, who's making amazing strides? And I will be doing some like video chat sessions with these groups. And I might come to your city and meet up with your group in person. And I might invite you all to fly to LA and have you all on the podcast, whichever group groups are really seeing momentum. So go ahead and join it. There's also a link to join the groups on my Instagram. And come on over and follow me on Instagram. I've been posting some really vulnerable, juicy things every single day. I'm keeping it real over there, being super honest. And I'm there to support you and let you know that you're not alone and give you some words of encouragement. So come follow me at kathy.heller. I'm doing giveaways all the time. So that's an added treat. Um, And if you like this episode, please share this with somebody today or any episode. If there's any episode that you guys enjoyed, please share it. If each one of you took a second right now and shared the show, we could double our audience, which would be huge for me and my team and allow us to keep producing more events and subsidize the cost of those. And it's just so helpful. So please leave us a review on iTunes and share the show with a friend. I'm going to leave you with another song of mine and I'll talk to you guys on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.